Welcome to the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast, bringing our communities the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and updates on the capital market to keep you informed and confident. Listen in on conversations with our advisors and industry leaders around the country who are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast. Today is February the 1st, 2023, and you are listening to the Perry Ritchie Group Advisor Roundtable. Welcome to the show, everyone. We have in the studio today, Mr. Andrew Boyles, Josh Marson, Sean Perry, and myself, your host for today, Drew Ritchie, and we are ready to dive right in. But before we do, February 1st, what does that mean tomorrow is, Sean? Groundhog Day. One of your favorite days of the year. It is one of my favorite <laughs> days of the year. It's, it's probably one of those movies that... I think, oh, I should watch this with the kids. And then after about three minutes, I'm like, no, Bill I Murray, should not no, watch shouldn't. this with the kids. Um, you have a different lens now of watching movies. than Not his than only film with the groundhog. Right. It's not. Wow. Interesting. Wow. So Sean loves some random facts like this. Tell us, tell us a, 30 seconds on Groundhog Day. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Puxatani, Pennsylvania. We, we just had a debate about that. Uh-huh. Puxatani Phil comes out, and does he see a shadow or not? And if he sees a shadow, that means we're having six additional weeks of bad weather, I believe. From February 2nd? Yes. Thereabouts. Ish. We'll go with it. Yeah. So tomorrow's Groundhog Day, a fun day for everybody. It doesn't matter if what the weather is here. It's it's in Puxatawney, It's in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, which I said we a- actually saw a road sign for it on our summer trip from through Pennsylvania, which is a outside of Philadelphia and maybe State College in Pittsburgh is a, is a fairly rural state. We won't get into that a lot, but you went to the Flight 93 Memorial this summer. Right? Yeah. Close, close to that area? Flight 93 Memorial is actually – Pretty close to the, I guess that would be the Maryland-West Virginia border. So it's in the southern part, probably southeast of Pittsburgh. So we were in Gettysburg. It was about an hour and a half from Gettysburg. Yeah. Going directionally towards Pittsburgh. And then Johnstown, Pennsylvania is there, which was the one of the largest natural disasters ever in the United States. There was a flood in the 1800s that wiped out a whole city, and I think over 1,000 people were killed. And um, it was a, a dam broke loose and hmm. just kind of ran through the city. And we ended up stopping there for subway. But interesting, just a, another tidbit. Just another tidbit. I would say fun fact, but that's not that fun. Yeah, natural kind of disaster. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Josh is going to be all beside himself tomorrow. Every year, Josh always goes all out for Groundhog's Day. So It is my third favorite day of the year. Look forward to seeing Christmas what Josh has Easter. on tomorrow so. at the office. Yeah. Yeah. Ar- Arbor Day is, fits in there too. Arbor Day is pretty high up there as well. So, so hey, this is the advisor roundtable. This is what it can be like in our office sometimes. Before we get into a meeting, we usually uh, leave some room for catch-up. So we're going to do a little little bit of that with you. Andrew, we've got some announcements to make. Mm-hmm. I'm pointing at you because I'd like for you to start. Right now, people are calling and wanting to know, when do I get my tax documents, right? Most clients like to file on January 2nd. <laughs> We're joking. We encourage people to wait a little while. Sometimes there's things that get amended. So what's the schedule this year, Andrew? 
Yeah, so as of February 1st, where we're at right now, all 1099Rs, which would be for IRA distributions, those have been sent out. So if you have not received it in the mail for some reason, then they are accessible via your online access. So 1099Rs for IRAs have already been sent out. 1099s for other types of accounts, uh, the deadline for that, or we'll say the first wave will be going out by February 15th. Um, so if you have a joint account or individual account, February 15th, and then they do extend that up until March 15th for uh, adjustments to be made uh, to that. So sometimes there is a rare occasion where there's uh, adjustments made to 1099, so they, they can be sent out as late as March 15th. All right. Thank you for that, Andrew. You have a very soothing voice over the microphone on the podcast, by the way. I love that. Sean, we just launched our blog this year. So let's talk a little bit about it. What is a blog? Why are we doing that? Well, we wanted to continue we wanted to continue to put more content out. This was a thing that we really started, I think, when COVID forced us into video content, starting a lot of different types of how do we media. get information out when we can't see people? That's right. That's right. So we've always talked about having a blog, but as we've added additional team members, it's given us more capacity and more focused interest levels that would allow people to, to write different things. Andrew's written one recently that was a recap of 2022. We put uh, that in our newsletter. If you put, hadn't seen that, that's great right. article, Andrew. And then just this week, um, we had one posted that I wrote about culture. So it's going to be a mixture of specific things that may interest people, market-related things, things about our practice, and it's going to be on our website and then hopefully promoted also uh, via social media. Yeah, so a lot of that information we'll be trying to get out via our social media posts. We'll put those things in our newsletter. We'll share things with clients specifically when we say, hey, this is something that these 20 folks really ought to, ought to read. But we would encourage people to check that every so often. Bookmark that you know, on your, on your phone or mobile device and uh, you know, reference it occasionally. We're going to a lot of uh, links to try to educate people. It's core value wisdom of our practice. And uh, yeah. Well, and I think coming Sorry. off of, you know, last year, what which was a, a tough market in the bond market and the stock market, and we've talked about that, people, individuals are thirsting for knowledge. And this is a great avenue that's a soft way to introduce friends and family members to our practice to see what we're thinking. It's a great way for people to get a feel for our practice before actually meeting us and coming here. You know, speaking of educating people, we got something else that we're pretty excited about that we're working on. Another great way of empowering folks, getting information out there. That's our financial literacy event. So April has been financial literacy month for some period of time now. Uh, we didn't make that up. Um, but this April, we're going to celebrate that by hosting a community conference around financial literacy. So that's going to be on April 28th. Um, we are, uh, first off, you know, we have our clients in mind. We work for, we work for our clients, um, and we want to educate our clients, their friends, their family around financial topics that are most applicable to them. So let's talk for just a second about it. Um, Andrew, what are some of the events that we're, that we're planning on, uh, planning on having there or, or sessions, I should say? Yeah. And the goal of this is be, you know, oftentimes people may not reach out to a financial advisor because they maybe you're intimidated or don't know what questions to ask. So the, the goal of the event is to make it accessible to anybody. 
where it's a very comfortable environment where they can simply learn. So a couple of the breakout sessions that we'll have early on in the morning will be around investing 101. So breaking down just the concept of investing in its simplest form. And you guys are are hosting that event, right, Josh? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I can't wait to hear. So we'll, we'll have an investing 101. We'll have a women in investing event. So as a, you know, woman, just some of the things that they'll encounter. We'll also have a capital market speaker around luncheon. So we'll have a couple of different topics and people can pick and choose what they go to. Yeah. One of the things I'm most excited about is a vendor fair. So we are, we're trying to consolidate um, a lot of the things that we hear our clients talking about that they're interested in um, or resources that they uh, access or different connections that they've made. I'll give you an example of one that we booked just this week that's going to be theirs, a representative from Western Kentucky University's Lifelong Learning Institute. So seniors can take classes and it may not just be for seniors. I hate to, hate to be limiting it to mature, that. Mature, mature adults. Uh, it's adult education can take classes at Western around different interesting topics. That's something not everyone's privy to. We're going to have a representative there. We're going to have a travel agent there uh, and several different things, including um, access to resources that we provide. So it is a community event. It's first open to our clients. Uh, we're trying to partner with Western Kentucky University on part of the offerings there as well. It's it's a little bit of a work in progress, but we hope this is an, an inaugural event that we can continue to expand on, p- potentially find some other partners. Um, it's not without cost, right? So we've got some sponsors that are helping us, and we do have a keynote economic market outlook luncheon um, that we're super excited about too. A lot of our clients really want that information. It's been, a, I think it also the Investing 101, you know, one of the things we've really focused on the last couple of years with our new Advocate Advantage newsletter is just being a resource, like you said, for family members. A lot of our kids or our clients, children, we're not connected to. And a lot of them are early stages and just thinking about investing for the first time. So this is a good focus item for that. And we're pretty far we're pretty far out talking about it. So even if someone is working, they could potentially ask off for their lunch break or something to be there. So that's another added benefit. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing we want to mention as far as announcements go before we, we dig into the uh, highly stimulating economic discussion we always have um, is one of the desig- a new designation that one of our team members is pursuing. So, you know, our retired partner, Mike, was, um, you know, what we would consider to be our tax guru within the team, taxation and investing. We would oftentimes go down the hall and say, hey, Mike, I got this. Can you help me think through it a little bit? Even um, though we're not allowed to give tax advice. Certainly never giving tax never. advice, only education around that. Uh, but he was, you know, a go-to resource within our team for that information. And, and we've, you know, we've missed that a little bit. Not that we don't have access to those resources, but our newest advisor, uh, Ms. Brooke Cassidy, is currently working through the enrolled agent exam, which is very similar to the CPA. Any, any Anything you guys want to add to what the enrolled agent exam is? It's like a CPA light version, we'll call it. Um, but it gives us the ability through the oversight of our firm to have access to tax planning software that we can offer a deeper dive into someone's return, help on some analysis, and then therefore be able to manage their investment portfolio for more efficiency, we would say, Andrew. Yeah. Um, so we're excited about that. These are investments that we're making behind the scenes 
these are intense programs. They come with a cost and, and certainly time intensive as well. That's three different sessions and she's passed the first two. Is that correct? Or she's passed first the first one. one and taking the next one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So we're proud of that and just want to communicate that to folks that, you know, additional investments that we're making within the practice. So and that tax planning software we're hoping to have by, um, I would say the start of the third quarter, uh, we're hearing April, but you know, it's like if you're building a home and you hear April, you probably should just think July and you'll be a lot happier. So just add a couple of months to it. Yeah. Well, so for sure by summer and then we'll be able to help clients look at previous tax return and then talk about planning items for, yeah. for the rest of the year. Yeah. Speaking of clients, we've had a lot of clients in our office this first quarter. A lot of, a lot of folks want to come in at the very beginning of the year. A lot of our better, better, um, clients do that. We review last year, we talk about this year, and we've all been kind of scattered around. I haven't been in many meetings with you guys the last month. We're, we're kind of all doing our own thing. I wondered, uh, I thought this might be an interesting way to start. Josh, I, I love I love putting Josh on the spot more than anybody. He, he, he does so well with it. Josh, in your meetings, I'd like to just go around and let's talk about what's the, what's one thing that you're sharing with everybody that comes in your office or, or that you have a meeting with that you want to make sure they leave with that they remember, Josh told me this and that makes me feel better, more confident. He scared me to death. What, what You fill in the blank, but I want to hear it. What's one thing that you're sharing with everybody that you meet with right now, Josh? Yeah, so right now I share with pretty much every single household or family that I'm meeting with is be able to separate the noise. So there's a, there seems to be always noise going on after last year. There seems to be even more of it. And be able to separate that out and understand what you can actually control and be able to simplify some of the things that you hear out there. And uh, what I mean by that is I, you know, inflation is a big topic now. And I try and explain to them in a very simple term is inflation, and I'm good on my analogies, right? Inflation is like a tube of toothpaste. Once the paste gets out of the tube, it is difficult to get it back in. Now, I've never tried to do that personally, um, but regarding inflation, it's the same, same prospect. Is Once it gets out, we can get it back in, and we've done it before. But it does take time, and in a world where you have 24-hour media, um, you have 24-hour news, our patients' levels are probably next to zero anymore, and this is uh, an exercise in patience. It will come back down. Um, no reason to panic. There's, there's never a reason to panic, so just keep everything very simplistic. Your plan a year ago was a great plan. Today, it's still a great plan, so just continue to, uh, as I like to say, hold the line. Okay. Andrew, in your article um, that you published in the newsletter and that's on our blog now, you said that um, the markets are predictably unpredictable, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and you're discussing volatility kind of in the respect of that. I don't know that that's your one thing, and I want to get to what you think is most important, but tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, predictably unpredictable just means that every single day we don't we, – we think we know – there are certain news events coming out. So, for example, today is a great highlight of that where we knew the Federal Reserve was going to come out and that that would have some impact on the market. 
but we don't exactly know which way because you could, in a lot of instances, make a case for both. And so we know that the market is going to react to, to information one way or the other, but that information comes out so much and so many different things play into that. At the end of the day, we don't know. We know trend lines of economics and where we're heading, and we can talk about inflation and interest rates, but at the end of the day, we, we really don't know what's going to drive the market that day. So what did, what did the Federal Reserve do today? So today, for their first meeting of 2023, they announced an increase uh, of the interest rate by 25 basis points, or 0.25%. So that takes the, we talk about the Fed funds rate or the benchmark rate that they're moving. So that now brings it up to a, a range of 45 to 4.75%. That's the current range after the 25 basis yes, point increase. That's right. mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um we had five in a row, is that correct? Five in a row that were 75 basis point increases and now we didn't stop, but we brought down the rate of increase. December there was a 50. Yeah, December's rate hike was 50 basis okay. points, but you're right before that there were several 75 basis point hikes before that. So yeah. a- another decrease of the interest rate. So in client meetings, this isn't my point, so don't don't count this against me. But no, you only get one. <laughs> yeah. But we have been talking about the the speed of interest rates increasing. So, you know, the Federal Reserve can raise rates each time they meet, but also the size of the increases. So in the last three meetings we've seen interest rates go up, but they've gone up by different amounts, all the way from seventy five basis points to, to twenty five. So there can be a lot of interest rate hikes, but also the size of those hikes might have. But but with how fast they've done this, how fast rates have risen, this has happened before, hasn't it, Sean? No, actually, we were talking about this earlier today with a chart. This is the fastest, the steepest increase we've seen since the 70s. There was, there's been six other rate increases, but this cycle has been just dramatically steeper if you look at it on a yield chart. Somewhat unprecedented, yeah, which is likely why we've seen the worst year in bonds since 1926, right, mm-hmm. which is remarkable. The, We're going to get into that a little bit. And the bit second later. worst year in a, for a 60-40 portfolio. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty close to what we would say our average client is invested in, something like that, a 60 equity, 40 fixed income stock bond. Andrew, what's your one thing? Andrew's he's waving his hands at me across the table. Okay, go ahead, Andrew. You may be exaggerating there a little bit. I wouldn't do that. My one thing that I've been talking about in clients and for, for clients that come in the office and are in meetings with us, we have a slide that we've gone over numerous times uh, each and every year where we look at the S&P 500 and what it's done on a calendar year basis, but also look at the entry or drop or decline, or pullback, or correction, or whatever name you want to attach to it. Dip, crash. Yes, mm-hmm. all, all those. And so last year, we saw the S&P 500 bottom out at the end of September, around 25%, down 25% for the year. And the S&P finished down for the calendar year about 19%. And so if you look back over the last 42 years on this J.P. Morgan slide, you can see that the market in that period of time has not finished at the bottom of the market at the end of the year. And of course, with the start that we've had to 2021, I'm sorry, 2023, getting all my years mixed up here, 2023, just a reminder that 
often in those moments of September and June last year where things felt really, really bad, quickly we, we can see how things can change so quick. And just a reminder that we're, we want to be a guiding light in those moments and make sure that you don't let one emotion or you know, one decision ruin a long-term plan. Sure, yeah. You know, and for those folks that say, I'm going to get back in when I, when things recover a little bit, when I feel more comfortable, that type of thing, they've, they've missed quite a bit of recovery, certainly since September, but even since January, I mean, we're, I think we switched our performance reporting uh, this week to look at year to date numbers as opposed to just 2022, because Josh, do you have, I see you have a, a, a stack of papers in front of you. Do you have a year to date numbers somewhere on there for 2023 so far? So as of February one, S and P is up 6.26. Okay. Yep. That is on a bare document compliance. If you're listening. Yes. 0.26. S and P was up 7% in the fourth quarter too. So we've had, um, from back off from where Andrew was talking about at the end of September, we've seen pretty good minor recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about you, Sean? You've been in a lot of client meetings. Um, just got off one right before you walked into here. What are what are you sure to share in all of your meetings right now? Can I have two? Yeah. Well, I said Andrew just got one. So Well, but I, I think tenure. I'm gonna pull I'm pulling rank. Okay. I'm, I'm okay pull, with that. I'm gonna pull okay. rank on it. We'll accept it. I've just been trying to help clients and I love the Bayard wealth report step back and think about what's happened the last four years or the five years. Yes. Last year was tough and I'm not trying to water down that in, at all in any way. Um, but we, we were talking about this earlier today, the S and P, you know, pre COVID the peak before COVID the S and P was at 3386 and it's over 4,000 now. So that's not going back too far. And even the four-year, through the end of the year, the four-year S&P return was cumulatively up 53%. So just trying to get clients to step back and think that we've had a really good run since 2018 and trying to not have proximity bias and realize that, we, yes, we've given some back, but like Andrew said, what we've given back is similar to what has happened the last 42 years. So just... I think generally kind of stepping back and thinking about performance and, and what it looks like in context. And then the other thing is just that last year was a terrible year for the bond market, but it has been a reset for people and interest rates have increased and the expectations that they should have from a return standpoint on their bond portfolios going forward are much better. Yeah, And we have, we, we really had clients avoiding bonds or you saw 60, 40 portfolios, end up being 70, 30 portfolios and because where, where do you get yield from? Right? Where do you get yield? And, and, and now we, we can get it. So, we can, yeah. yeah. so th- those are two things I blended together. So it could be long-term, a, a shift back of more, you know, maybe folks say, well, maybe I, maybe, maybe I got a little, a uh, little too risk on, I think we would say, or a little was taking a little too much risk before, and now that we can get some return on our fixed income, not just return of our fixed income, we, we, we should dial that risk back a little. Not that that hurt at all last year. You know, the, the, the aggregate bond index was down 13%. The S&P was down 19 or 18, depending on if you had dividends. Mm-hmm. But the Dow Jones was down like 6 
87 or something, less than 7% uh, last year. So value stocks did better, dividend stocks did better. So some a lot of times when clients did own, they went, I think on average, when clients pushed that equity exposure, they were pushing it with value stocks and dividend stocks, which outperformed the bond market last year. Yeah, yeah. You know, that return you quoted since 2018, it's interesting if we just spent like a, a couple of minutes talking through what all's happened in that time period. You and I heard a speaker uh, at the event in Nashville that we went to last week, the, the um, policy legislation, um, Dan Clifton from Strategus, and he said that even in 2020, we had four major events that in any given year, those any of those events would have been huge, right? But we had in 2020 a market crash, a major election, civil unrest was rampant throughout the country, and, oh, yeah, a global pandemic. And we're up 53% in four years. Now, even since COVID, we've had the fastest interest rate increase cycle ever in the history of the U.S. Um, we've had, we have a war. A war. We have a war going on. And, uh, yeah, just, just a lot. It's not talked about as much anymore because of what I believe is it easing up. But six to 12 months ago, we always talked about the supply chain disruption and how backlog that was because of, of the pandemic. So I believe that's that's eased up some, but I would consider that in of itself another big event that's taking place. Which is has a lot of after effects of, of companies and, and countries changing their supply chain Um because they, you know, we worry about what does that look like in the future? If what if it happens again? What if that happens again? What if you know something happens where China, you know, can turn off shipping routes, that type of thing, and we need to be in a better position going forward? Well, even Dan Clifton was talking about is it onshoring? Is that the term? Like bringing stuff back here into the U.S. and how fortunately the area we're in, the Southeast, seems to really be benefiting from that and. I read something recently of saying that there, it could even get to a point where not that American companies stop making goods in China, but maybe they get to a point where they're only making goods in China that they plan on leaving in China, which would be a huge change from where we are right now. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I guess I'm last. Can I share what, what I'm sure to go over go with in all of my Please. meetings? I think it's, uh, Andrew, you, you mentioned the slide that shows intra-year declines in average market volatility, where it shows I think the average intra-year decline is 14%, but the market's up about 75% of the time. Until this quarter, I've not gone on to then say, how does that compare to the bond market, volatility in the bond market? And we've added a slide to our deck that shows the same chart, which shows volatility of fixed income. Until this past year, and, and I, this is hard for me to believe, but again, compliance, I'm quoting this right from right from our slide. This is on uh, BlackRock's Guide to the Market, or Student of the Market, I should say. It shows that this year was the worst year since 1926 in the bond market, quoted by the Barclay Core Ag. Prior to this, the worst year was negative 2.9%. This year was down 13%, not even close. Down, and to quote another slide, it, it was down 17% at one point. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So if we look at those, you said the market was up 32 out of the last 42 years. The bond market has only been negative five times since 1970, right? Mm -hmm. 
How many times have stocks and bonds both been negative in the same year in the last 50? Once. That was this last year. I think that's fascinating. So when we go through and look, Andrew's looking at me like, are you sure you're going to get our podcast thrown out here? It's on this slide, Andrew. I was thinking about 2018. When we, um, when, when, when we, when we think about that and think about the returns, um, you know, I just think that's incredible that we, we don't often see that. Hey, and we're through it. We made it through it. We're all still here. Um, and we've got a lot, a lot of things to be optimistic about as we, um, Maybe there's still a recession to come. Maybe not. Maybe we've already seen the market bottom. Maybe not. We'll we'll know long after we're out of it where where all of those inflection points happened. Um, but there's there's other things to be optimistic about. We talk about Andrew and often provides a, a DC legislative update. Last time we said one of the largest bipartisan sweeping retirement industry bills was passed in December. These are positive things. We're seeing people get together and uh, vote on and um, affect change for the good. And, hey, it's a season that we're going through right now, uh, probably a necessary season of slowdown and recovery and, and correction. Yeah. Well said. What else, guys? <laughs> we're a little over our normal time um, that we – that we try to stay to. We want this to be uh, uh, something that you can listen to in 20 or 30 minutes on a commute into, uh, into work or on your way home or um, yeah. And be informative. So we appreciate everyone listening. We don't want to take any more of your time. Anything else guys that we want to leave everyone with before we close up for today. Just a little plug for our next podcast. It's going to be coming out after this one is a combination of the four of us talking about, what we've learned, what we learned last year, podcasts that we're listening to, books we want to read in 23. Those have been things that have been uh, received well. So we want to share that information. And um, yeah, so that's going to be coming back, coming up right after this one. Yep. Great. Great. I'm lo- looking forward to recording that one. Sean's going to be hosting that one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun. <clears throat> Most of what I learn, listen to, read, consume comes from you guys. It's things that we're all doing and we're sharing and um, yeah, so iron sharpens iron, as they say, right? Want to help help our community do the same. That's right. Yep. All right. Hey, this has been it for the Perry Ritchie Group, February 2023 Advisor Roundtable. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you in our office soon. This podcast is intended for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable resources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc., a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor member, member FINRA and SIPC. Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated.